In this episode, I sit down with Chuck Lapointe, CEO of Narcity Media Group, which houses the MTL blog and Narcity publications, attracting 12 million monthly readers and over 5 million social media followers. This year marks their 10-year anniversary. Given the prevalence of artificial intelligence, I invited Chuck to share what is the impact of AI in the news and media space? How could AI enable reporters to be more human and creative in their work? What are the strategic shifts they are making as a company? And what is the future of the news and media business? Enjoy. I want to get into, because AI has been uh, all the rage. I think everyone listening to this has an ac- you know, access to internet and knows how AI has been, been taking, I don't want to say taking over, because it's not taking over. It's just been used to amplify and help people do their work either more efficiently or to unlock new things that were not probably possible prior to AI. Uh, being in 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 a mainstream way uh, format. So, how has AI changed the way you and your company operate? Has it even changed? I think we're still working on integrating AI into more components of our business and the processes. Um, I feel like for me, it was just a huge kind of mind blown moment. Uh, I think I recall it was like early December when chat uh, GPT kind of first launched, there was just this, this huge thing. And I was like, this is going to change everything. Um, but we were kind of, you know, end of Q4, it's like our busiest time. Um, so I was kind of playing around with it and everyone was kind of sharing ideas and thoughts. Uh, so we didn't really get around to kind of like really talking about it in a serious manner until probably the beginning of this year. And the way we're kind of seeing it now is we feel like it's going to be just a workflow enhancer. Uh, It's going to allow us to streamline a bunch of things, allow us to kind of like start off our our content uh, ideation process way faster. I think it's going to allow us to kind of scale different different types of of content that we'll do. Uh, We don't see it as, as a as a kind of like all-in-one solution that's going to get our like all our content created from scratch, maybe like a BuzzFeed is trying to do with their quizzes. But we really see it as a way to to help and improve our workflows and processes. Um, so, you know, we kind of see it almost as like, can it replace existing tools that we're using already that are maybe very expensive or, you know, that we don't necessarily need uh, those tools. So we try to see it as kind of a optimizer slash enhancer, like you were saying uh, before. Uh, but we're definitely still in the learning uh, stages and trying to trying to get everyone on the same page of where we should use it. I think that there's lots of questions internally as well. Uh, but yeah, we're definitely big fans of it. Yeah. So you said you mentioned you know using it as an optimizer. <laughs> Although this might not be a, a pleasant thought, but do you think AI can replace Journalists, can we optimize the entire journalistic process and have an AI do it instead of the human? Look, I think it's a very sensitive uh, topic, um, especially for our team of uh, reporters that are, most of them are recent grads. So they come out of school with expectations on what the job should be uh, and what they should do. And, and I think now with AI, I think that the content creation processes and mechanisms are going to fundamentally change. Um, I believe 
lots of things like doing sort of manual research for, you know, even just for things to, to do in your city, or you want to validate if a business is still open, or you want to do kind of like quick sort of research that AI will be uh, able to do in a much more efficient way. I think that those types of things are going to go away. I really see it as, as any type of like service journalism that is that can be done from anywhere type of environment is going to be squeezed uh, i see media moving much more towards a kind of first person human reporting style um and uh very much more opinion based i think that people are looking for human opinions and human feelings and i think that our media brand and company is going to become more and more like like that so it's definitely, I think it's definitely, you know, uh, I wouldn't say a replace. Um, I don't, I don't see AI as a replacement for humans. I see it as you need to embrace it and you, and you need to use it to make your job just much more efficient. Um, and I think it pushes our teams as well to, to go more on the creative side and, and, and deep dive more into what makes us human and what makes that content better. Um, now that potentially you can use it to, you know, cut down your work by half. So I think that it's a really, for, like for us, we really see it as like, this is going to help you do your job much better. Um, if some form of media becomes entirely generated by AI, I don't see that as a good thing. I see that as pretty sad. <laughs> um, I hope that that's not where things are going. I hope that there's going to be a place for human reporting. Um, and we're definitely pushing toward, towards that internally. Why would that be sad uh, if, if it's entirely generated by AI? I think that there's certain things that makes you connect with content, or at least my understanding of content and how I grew up with a passion for media and passion for just entertainment, like information and points of views and, and just human co like connections that allows you to just understand things that, uh, I don't know, like, obviously I see AI being very good at being able to interpret human feelings and, and eventually being able to kind of bring that into the content as well. I just think that if we, as a human species, just kind of like are left to consume AI content forever, I just find that sad. I, I, I can't explain that. I just, I'm just like, I think that that's still something that we're trying to, to, to grasp with. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's just like, what does that mean? Um, yeah, anyways, it's, it's, a very, it's a very kind of like touchy subject again internally. Of what does that mean? What ma makes us different? I think it pushes us in a really good place to think about these things but it's definitely kind of scary uh if you look at it if it's entirely generated by ai what does that mean um for the consumers but also for our staff yeah i like that you said uh media might go towards a more opinion-based or at least journalism uh, would go towards a more uh, opinion-based approach and i feel like that's a little bit different than how news and media or at least a narrative of like what should news and media be it should be more about the truth you know objective we're not putting in uh, uh, any opinions but what you're saying is that there's probably going to be a shift in how we consume news media uh, and that being you might follow a specific journalist because of their 
opinions, their their style of writing, things like that, and not necessarily for their ability to bring the objective cold truth. Is is that what you're is that what you're saying? Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, I think I think that's definitely where I see things going. Um where again the human element is going to make the content interesting and how can you relate to the human behind that story so it's not just even the story because the story can be told many different ways it's how what makes what makes the story interesting and who's telling that story and if you're able to follow that person and and form a connection with that person um then you're going to enjoy that content much more, in my opinion, because you're going to you're going to see it as more than just a story. It's more of like a friendship that you're developing with the person in a certain way. And I'm not saying you should be friends with reporters, <laughs> but I think that you can definitely. I think that taking out that bringing this human element uh, at the forefront of the story, I think, is very important. Um, and uh, I think that that. That is the future of media in a way, because humans connect with other humans and connections and AI will never be able to, to replicate that. Will they be able to create fake humans that tell stories for sure? But I think to a certain degree, humans will adapt and will be able to figure out ways to just genuinely stay human, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you ever think about the meaning of truth in the news industry. What do you mean by that? So going, c continuing on the idea that, that media or the news is supposed to bring the objective truth to the people so that they know what's going on. But now if we're going towards a more opinion-based um, or transitioning towards a more opinion-based way of delivering news, then what becomes true? And what like is it the responsibility of the reporter to bring their truth, or is it the responsibility of the reporter to bring the truth? I think that's a very large question. Um, I think in our scenario, like we are, we are kind of taking that that pivot towards not doing hard news as much as we used to, um, and I think that that. Objective truth is very important in a hard news scenario. Um, and we think that potentially the type of hard news that's more objective is maybe the job for someone else to do. And I don't think that we're that kind of place. Um, but I do think ultimately, I, I think, you know, reporting is about telling different opinions and perspectives and doing research and being able to fact check what you're telling and what you're saying. I think that for us, I think that that kind of truth comes from we're able to validate and fact check every single article that we do. Um, but uh, I think, you know, for us, at least we're going into a place where maybe that's the hard news aspect is going to be less of a focus for us. Um, and we just think that there needs more positive stories in this world. <laughs> so I think that we're just going to embrace that and go back to sort of what we're good at, uh, which is more, which is about being inspiring and and getting you to be proud of your city and sort of what your city has to offer. So I think that we're going to lean more into that. Yeah, and there's so many things happening in the major cities like Montreal and Toronto that there's 
not going to be a shortage of things to cover. So, so so yeah, so there's definitely going to be a, a lot of work, I think, for your for your journalists uh, on on your team. So I I like that you I like how you actually are taking a stance or you're you're you have a hypothesis and you're saying we're going to bring the company towards a place where we're doing a bit less of the hard truth and a bit more of the uh, opinionated uh, content. And and I think that there's a place in the world for both. If I want hard truth, I'll go to one place. If I want a perspective, like if I want to know, you know, what's happening in the city and how that might impact my life, I'll probably go to MTL blog because I'll want that person's uh, perspective. So you said that you are currently using AI or you're experimenting and testing AI in your workflows. What are some things that you're you're able to share um, how you're using AI to either create better content or to be more efficient in your work? Uh, would you be able to share a few things on that? For sure. So we see it as kind of a two sort of bucket thing. Uh, the first, which is on uh, the improvement of workflows for our staff. And then the second, which is how do we use AI to enhance the experience for our users on the website? Um, on the second bucket, we're working on tons of things, like I mentioned in my blog post, uh, where we want to be able to just drastically enhance the engagement on our websites. And we want to do that with sort of AI at its core, with like a chat sort of option um, that gets to learn who you are and your tastes and can recommend you things sort of based off of that and based off of the content that we've built. Um, and, but on the content cre creation side, we're still, uh, like, again, we're still trying to find ways to, to use it in a much more kind of official manner. Um, at this point, I think we just use it for grammar, editing. Um, so for example, we'll use it to maybe to uh, ask a chat GPT to give recommendations on how to maybe uh, restructure some of the components um, to improve keyword targeting and SEO and things like that. Um, I believe some of our uh, staff are using it as well to uh, you can generate like very basic templates and drafts according to ideas. And we also use it to generate further ideas based off of kind of our initial input. Uh, we use it to enhance our brainstorms, uh, things like that. Uh, I think we are using chat GPT primarily as our main kind of tool. Um, I think we have an integration with Slack. Uh, we have an integration with our CMS. Uh, so we, we're starting to integrate at much more different uh, spots, but we're also, uh, you know, I have the GPT-4 option with the browsing enabled, which is really insane. Um, I think that that's really exciting to get that in the hands of our teams as well, but it's not available to everyone unless you pay. Uh, so yeah, we're we're going to see, is there a future where our teams can use it to help source and fact check some content? Um, is, it a, is there a scenario where we can use it just much kind of deeper? I think, again, it's like any... Any type of, of manual work that doesn't bring out the human creative element, I believe, is going to be necessary to, to be automated and just to stay relevant and competitive uh, in the market. It sounds like it's funny because as you were talking, a, a thought popped into my head and you're saying how you want to use AI to reduce the manual repetitive work uh, so that the people and the humans can 
use more of their creative skills to deliver their work. And the funny thought that came to mind was, it sounds like AI is probably going to make us more human or make companies more human because the manual stuff is going to be uh, given to the AI to handle and we have more room to be our ourselves and to bring ourselves to work without the mundane day-to-day uh, -day tasks. So through all the noise of like, oh, AI is going to destroy the world, there's an opportunity for AI to actually bring out more of what makes us human into the world. Um, I'd love for you to share the recent announcement that you that you made in terms of the company's direction and how you're going to be using AI. So what are, I remember you, you had three pillars or three, three ideas in your article. So I'd love for you to share uh, what are those three ideas and why did you think that those were important for, for our city media group? Yeah. I mean, we kind of fundamentally we're seeing the, the, the essence of free media potentially going away. Um, and what that means is, is there a future where we can sustain our business purely using ads? So extracting the value from our users through attention-based metrics and features to get them to see ads and we are able to monetize and build a business off of that. I think that if you look at the ad market, that is, uh, it's starting to be very apparent that the traditional display like advertising model where your page is just full of ads and, and it's low, like it just super intru like intrusive to your experience. I think that that, that is, is going to be very, very, very hard to just build a business off of that. Um, so, you know, if you don't monetize purely through ads and how else do you monetize, you, you can do it through commerce and affiliate, uh, which hasn't really worked well for us because we're more at the top of the funnel of our users. So we're not, we're not like a review site where we're going to read like a review, like your laptops and you can just have like a buy now button that redirects you to, to the cart. Like that's not who we are. We inspire, we educate and we inform at a high level. Uh, the, like the goals is, is to get you moving, but then do things, you know, sort of on your own. Um, so that, that, sort of typical affiliate model doesn't work for us. Uh, so we're really only left with one option, which is if we don't want to monetize through ads or we want to be able to, to, to balance that a bit more is we need to move towards a membership model. Uh, and the membership model for us is not the typical type of model where you're going to have the paywall sort of option and then you'll be able to put your articles behind a paywall or you have like a meter uh, wall, which is essentially I have like a few free articles per month and whatever. Uh, we see it as as potentially we'll have some stories behind the me the membership uh, uh, option, but eventually we'll get to a point where, uh, you know, I don't think ever we'll ever get to a point where the majority of our stories are behind a paywall. But we do see the membership as kind of a added value. So what's the features and what's the options that we can give you as a business? And what's the services that we can give you as a business that would make you inclined to pay for our service? And uh, so kind of going back to uh, to sort of what I said that we weren't a few years back, which is, you know, we're a content business. We're not a tech platform. Um, I think that tech is absolutely key in this case. And we need to figure out ways to launch a service that's high margin. That allows us to be able to to subsidize the content and the reporting that we do. 
you can't rely off of ads anymore, like to pay for everything. Like we're, we are extremely lean and, and efficient and we're in a position where we don't see that future playing out. So how, like we can't, we can't be more efficient than what we're doing now. Uh, so, which is really just the fundamental economics of the model just don't make sense anymore. And you're seeing it with BuzzFeed News that had to shut down with Vice that's out. Like, it's just, it's not a model that's really sustainable anymore. And I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on businesses that are doing that. Um, so we're really just trying to maybe uh, take a bit of a, you know, like a, uh, guess and, and and assumptions and really being like this if that's the future how do we act now and how do we we introduce those things now so that we're in a better spot in the future so would this uh it's not really a pivot but with this change in direction would you say that was in reaction to the troubles vice and buzzfeed were having or were were these ideas things that you had in mind for a while and now was just the right time to get it started I think we've always kind of had these things in mind. And I think every media eventually always wants to move towards a model where the consumers are paying for your content and your users like your brand and content so much that they're willing to take out their credit card and their wallet. Um, but I think that that, like I was explaining in my blog post, I think that there there's, we made assumptions and we, and, and we were just kind of addicted to that free traffic uh, from Facebook and Google. And we, you know, it's like, it's, it's a hard thing to get rid of. It's a hard thing to pivot when your entire business is based off of generating page views across uh, all topics and across all teams. And they're motivated by, by numbers and KPIs, but also by the content, but it's still fundamentally kind of like at the forefront of your face. You know, you have GA live all the time. Um, and we were really motivated by that and we did an excellent job and I don't think it diminished our content. I just think it's, it was, it just got into a point where no matter how much time we would invest in a sort of fast paced reporting world, we were not going to be able to sustain ourselves in the future. Uh, so obviously, I mean, there's, there's the impact of AI, there's the impact of the creator's economy, there's the impact of, uh, Bill C-18, that potentially, you know, news will be blocked in Canada. There's the impact of even Google that will eventually, you know, uh, launch a chatbot option at the, you know, at the top of their search. And so what, so what does that mean? That, that means that the, the, the safest distribution model that all the, the businesses had for over 20 years uh, is going to be disrupted entirely. Because people won't necessarily feel like they need to click on every link to go find their information. They can just ask the chatbot. So I think that the, the fundamentally, there's the macro uh, headwinds that definitely got us to act a bit faster. But we've been thinking about this for a long time. And it's a very tough decision because it requires a big pivot internally to not look at the numbers and focus on the story and move to a long form based uh reporting which is just assignment based and we look at the things that we're good at and we focus on that um but i think ultimately it's it's where we need to be because we need to be able to bring that value to our users and eventually being able to bring so much 
value that we're able to charge for our services. Yeah. Do you see a world where people pay to consume content from a specific uh, reporter or journalist uh, instead of paying for an overall subscription with with the company and then that access it gives you access to everything? Um, I'm not sure. I think I think that there is. I think the subscription fatigue is a real thing. Uh, people aren't going to want to be subscribed to a hundred different softwares and things. It's going to start to be very expensive. Uh, we're also very aware that uh, younger generations don't necessarily have that much kind of spare income to be able to just pay on subscriptions and memberships all the time. Uh, we're also aware that we're competing versus Netflix and Spotify and other different platforms that offer such huge value to people. So we need to be able to kind of like find our place in that. Um, I definitely see creators and our reporters being more at the forefront of sort of what we do. And we need to push that. Um, but I would see it more as like, we're going to offer you a service and a membership that's going to give you access as a collective uh, to our voices and to the perspectives that we bring as a corporation. Um, and less kind of the individual creator and reporting uh, vibe. Uh, who knows? <laughs> so speaking of the the voices, and I'm sure you have conversations or have had conversations around ethics in AI, uh, ethics and AI use, um, specifically in the in the news industry. So, what's your plan moving forward, or what have you started to do to maintain? Uh, a good level of ethics, good standards in terms of using AI for for news articles. Yeah, so we uh, like like I mentioned, we don't uh, we don't use AI to generate like the fundamentals of of the content. Uh, we use AI to kind of help at a base sort of level because it doesn't have access to the internet, uh, or at least the the free option. Uh, so we don't really use it at all to kind of give us kind of new information. We use it more to enhance our work. In the future, I do see, I do see that becoming a potential issue. But we've already kind of like implemented things internally that make sure that like never trust AI. Like that's kind of a like a base thing. Um, like never trust that it gives you the, the right information. And you see so many stories that lawyers use. AI in, in trial, and it's just, it was a mistake and they regret it. Uh, so I think that we're, we're definitely going to take it with a grain of salt every time that we use it for actual information and content. Um, so we're, we're implementing processes slowly internally for that to happen. Eventually, once we're comfortable that we've kind of found the workflow uh, that makes sense, then we're going to go ahead and, and publish that uh, on our websites and, and, and give our users a bit more of an understanding around how we're using it and why and where. Uh, we're using it at such kind of a low level right now that it, you know, uh, we're confident that we don't necessarily kind of need to, to, to formulate something specific just because we don't really use it to generate actual content. Yeah. You said like one of the rules or guidelines that you have internally is never trust, don't fully trust AI. What are some other uh, guardrails or, or considerations that you're putting in place so that you're using AI responsibly? 
Uh, to be honest, like not, not that much. Like, I think that like, we're still at the learning phase and we're not like, I don't want to do like, we're not in a position where we can already come at this with like a very structured and heavy system because I feel like that's going to break a bit the innovation that we're trying to do here and we're trying to move fast. Um, so we're trying to, to make sure that people understand the fundamentals of like, it's going to like, it will be accurate. It will be biased. Uh, it's going to bring information that is, you can't necessarily trust everything that it gives you and fact check everything that they, um, give, but like also at the same time, I don't want to be in a system. Like there's a bunch of biz businesses that actually like ban the use of, of the tools, uh, on the company hardware. We're not at that place. And I don't think that that. You know, I don't think that that makes sense for us. We don't really have like proprietary software or code that like is really going to be that, that needs to be protected at that level. So we prefer just being like, let's experiment, let's have fun, and let, let's just try to see how we can use this in an efficient way. Um, and then eventually the policies and the processes will, will come into play after. And how's, how's your team's reaction to? using chat gpt or other ai tools do they are they concerned do they feel like this is a uh, a way to make their job a way to be better at their job or do they feel like this could actually replace their job i think that a lot of people in general and i don't think that, that that's just at our company is scared about how this will impact their jobs and, and their lives um i think that that reporters and journalists and you're even seeing the writers guild uh in california like really kind of just seeing it as what does that mean for our future how do we make sure to to protect ourselves versus this huge threat uh, that they see will happen uh so i think that a lot of people are definitely kind of uh fearful from the potential impacts of it i think that we try our best to kind of turn it into a positive light and try to showcase the benefits of it. Um, and really just see it as, again, this, this, this new world unlocks time for you to spend on the creative side of your job. And it unlocks you time to be able to spend telling stories and being more human and going on the ground and taking photos and videos. Um, so we're really just trying to showcase more of the positives. Um, but I think it's a, it's a scary world out there for sure. And I think that a lot of people don't necessarily know what impact this will have on everyone. Um, but, you know, I think that we just need to take it a day at a time at this point. Yeah. So you spoke a bit about uh, the future of your company in terms of uh, putting a membership uh, and paying for, for access to some of the content. Do you feel like overall as a the whole industry is going to move towards that? Do you feel like maybe some of them are going to stay on that ad-based model or is there a space for everyone? What are, what are your views on that? The way I see it, and again, I have very kind of like, these are my assumptions and my opinion. Um, obviously, I can't tell the future. Um, and, but I see, I see the middle of the industry being very, 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 very squeezed. Uh, I see the generalist news organizations having a very, very, very hard time um, unless you're catering to a very affluent group of people. 
and you're able to charge a subscription model and people are willing to pay for it, like all the business, like the Globe and Mail, I think is going to be fine. Um, I think that there's, you know, if you're not extremely large size and you don't cater to a group of people that is, that has, uh, that can afford to pay for your membership um, in a way that, you know, a news subscription, you know, it can be sort of added on to your monthly bill, but like, it's not like you're like, you'll never see it as like a, a you know, a thing that you need to cut because you, you can afford it. Uh, the way we see it is like, is we need to be able to bake in this membership into an option where it's actually going to improve their lives drastically, not just from a news kind of standpoint. Uh, but yeah, I see the middle, like I see very squeezed. So I see kind of like two ends of the spectrum. I see you have the New York Times and the Globe and Mail that do a very good job at telling the hard news and telling you business information and uh, news that you can't get nowhere else. And they have a target audience that can afford it doing well because they've built that trust over time. Uh, and then you have the smaller vertical players, uh, like the, the creators and the niche media brands that can sell ads at a 5x or 10x rate just because they're they're like the only ones in that niche. Um, I think that they will do great in this scenario. But I think everyone else in the middle is going to have to eventually pivot to offering a service of some sort <laughs> um, because I don't see it. I don't see the ad model being able to sustain and the way it is now to be able to sustain any medium-sized organization in media uh, as a pure 100% thing because it's, the economics just aren't there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are, um, have your views about AI changed since ChatGPT was released, since you've been using it uh, compared to when you started maybe 10 years ago uh, and thinking about the future of media and now kind of not living in the future because we are now, but it kind of does sometimes feel like we are living in the future with AI. How how have your views changed when it comes to embedding AI into the journalistic process, whether that's in the creation of content or in the optimization or whatever? Um, yeah, so how have your views changed? Uh, I'd say they changed drastically because AI was not at, at the forefront of my thinking 10 years ago. <laughs> I think it was... Uh, you know, we were all in on Facebook. Like now Facebook is a thing that our parents go on, you know, like it's not something that like, so I just feel it's, uh, you know, it was definitely not at the forefront of what we were thinking. We were just thinking, how can we reach our audiences where they're uh, at and how can we do it in a different way and in a more engaging way? And that's why we went sort of the social first approach um, that paid off well for us. Um, but thinking that we could, you know, send a prompt chat to a AI and it's going to deliver things from scratch and build websites for you from scratch and being able to do, build you like plans for marketing like automatically, like never in a thousand yeah like i would have never been able to predict that um and we were really not even focused on that again i think that the we were focused more on disrupting the legacy media that was focused on on still on print or doing things in a non-social first way uh, 
And we're just trying to focus on how can we cater to that social first audience and behavior. Uh, but now we're entering this sort of next stage. Mm-hmm. What's the relationship? So you mentioned earlier the the journalists kind of being like a friend without really being a friend to to the audience. So do you foresee or at least expect or hope that your journalists on your team kind of make the readers feel like we're friends or that I know them? Uh, is that the style? Is that the relationship that people are going to have with journalists moving forward? And then uh, if yes, how, how do you build that as a journalist? How do you build that relationship with, with the people reading and consuming your content? That's a good uh, question. We've always kind of seen it as like our media has always been a very like a conversational uh, uh, brand and tone. And we like to to talk with you, not to you. Um, and I think that that's kind of a big thing for us. Uh, and we've always kind of integrated that in our business ever since that we started. Um, obviously, with various levels of like being objective or not. Um, but more and more, absolutely, we're seeing it as we need to put the creators of the content at the forefront of the article. And again, like, how can you connect with the story at the human level rather than just at the story? level you need to understand the context of the person um where they're from what's their expertise what's their authority on that topic uh how can i trust this over some other piece of content um there's really a big kind of trust factor that is like in play now i feel a lot more than before uh, and and we definitely kind of integrate that at the core of our business like we we try to get them as much as possible on camera. We try to get them to do stories like in person. Uh, and so for, for us, it's very important. Uh, yeah, and we're just seeing it as like any journalist that starts their, their career now, like, please don't expect that you'll just be doing writing. I don't, I don't think that that's something that you should aim for. Uh, I think you need to aim for creating yourself as a brand, being able to showcase your personality, uh, and being able to develop your own authority and in, in your own kind of niche. Um, and ultimately, you need to be able to kind of do everything. You need to be able to do video, audio, writing, uh, like all of it. It's, it's a, I think it's an interesting time for types of reporters that are willing to do that. Uh, if you're just looking to do some writing, uh, it's going to be tough. It will be tough for sure. So is the future of media and your perspective multi-channel like it's no longer now just a nice to have it's going to be a necessity for media brands and for the journalists themselves to be fluent in video and audio and written format uh we think so we think that uh being a multimedia reporter is absolutely key um and i think that that's the future because again that's what makes you human and being able to tell stories that are fun and engaging and that people can relate to you as a human. Um, so we see definitely that being the future. Uh, again, we're not the New York Times or the Globe and Mail, so maybe there's a place for that there uh, where it's text-based only, but we don't, we don't really see that in our sort of play. Have you... Uh, so I, know, I think, I believe it's Time Magazine. They have like an NFT token gated access to their content is that 
NFTs uh, something that you're exploring or thinking about for for the company? Oh, NFTs. Uh, we had launched an NFT test last year, which was kind of interesting, um, where we had done a series of NFT, uh, I like, I guess, like artworks. Um, and uh, it was like animated, kind of like small videos type things. And we had put it on OpenSea and we had done a, like a test with three markets. And uh, it was fun, for sure. It was kind of fun to dabble into that world and then try to understand a bit that new like economy and exchange type of marketplace and format. Um, I think we're that's definitely kind of on the side for now. <laughs> we don't. Uh, I think for us, it's more right now. It's more like we need to find sort of what connects with our audience on a real money thing, rather than uh, and not saying that crypto isn't, but we we see more the mainstream economics and how we need to fix that sort of model first, uh, and maybe there's a crypto component in that. Um, but I think, you know, I think if you just look at kind of like the like the wallet integration, like our audience is very, very, very mainstream. And the majority uh, of our audience are uh, female, 60 percent, uh, if not more. And uh, our crypto content just bumps like like it doesn't do well. So I think that there's still kind of a mainstream component there to happen before we 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 adapted in, in any sort of meaningful way. Yeah. Um, what's your. What's your vision for the future and what would the world look like if that vision were to come true? That's a good uh, question. I think the, I think the future, I think the future, despite everything that's happening and despite the fears that people have, I think the future is very, very fun and very bright. Um, I believe in being able to use AI to make the world a better place and being able to put less pressure on people and for us to be able to have better lives because we don't need to work as much. Um, and I see media being, again, maybe the face of humans rather than the face of like text or stories. And I think media being the collective and curator of human stories and perspectives as being as being the future. Um, does that actually play out, honestly? Even if I were to tell you something now, uh, guarantee it would be very, very, very different in just six months. So uh, I like to not make that deep of assumptions and I try to keep my kind of opinions uh, on that a bit to myself because it's going to change in six months again. But I, like, I'm very optimistic about the future. I think that, I think that this is only good um, and I think that we'll need to do a, a very conscious effort to make sure that we don't let um, AI destroy who we are as humans and what makes us human. Um, so we're we're definitely in a transition phase. Like I see my kids in twenty years. Like, what will that look like? Are they going to use VR to go to school? Like, is that you know, who knows? Um, but we're definitely in a transition phase that I've never seen before. And I think that this is very, very, very big. Um, and that's why I think it's very important to make sure, yes, that we look at the guardrails and yes, that, that, that we look at the issues of AI, but that we also kind of keep room for, for optimism. 
and that we keep room for how can we use this in a in a great way to improve our lives and how can we use it to make better things um so i think that there's kind of that mix of both that's important yeah i feel it it i i'm looking forward to seeing how you how you use ai into your company uh whether it's you know behind the scenes but i say that because you had mentioned a couple times that the human element and like bringing out the voice of the person who is creating this content so i'm very curious to see how how your team is going to manage having a unified voice like as a company this is our overall voice versus uh, as an individual as a journalist this is my voice and what would you say if 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 there were to be a clash and i'm not talking like you know uh, any harsh uh you know fundamentally wrong topics but just an overall clash between uh, uh differences in opinion uh, from between the company and the journalist are you do you usually allow like do you allow that do you put guardrails and say like you know we all need to have this type of voice on this specific topic or do you kind of give the freedom to the journalist to express their voice again not in the stuff that is like you know fundamentally wrong uh so I'm curious to hear how you how you navigate those those issues or or situations yeah so we definitely i mean we're definitely moving into a place where um those potential kind of conflicts are going to be less apparent because we're moving towards kind of assignment based stuff um and more of a positive uh mindset so i think that if we're if we're looking at differences of opinion i think that those are very important um and we need to kind of make sure that we allow our people to be able to explore topics that are important to them I think what we need to do as a media brand and company is always just make sure to give them the data and being able to kind of get them to connect with their audience, uh, get them to just reflect sort of how people are engaging with their stuff and being able to support them along their journey as well. I think that a lot of creators are, you know, there's lots of, there's millions of them on Instagram and TikTok. Like there is, it's a very competitive world out there. And I think if us as a media brand, we can support them through building their profile and their identity and, and their authority as a journalist, I think that that's very important. Um, and we, yeah, we just need to make that kind of like core um, to our business because the world is mo moving t more towards like being able to follow a creator on YouTube or TikTok and like, they'll get their news and their information from them rather than a media company. So how can we leverage that as much as possible to give them that value, but also not lose our brand, you know, uh, in the meantime. So I think it's, it's going to really become a thing of like, how can we curate the different voices and unite that into a single identity and brand? Yeah. Well, I think that that's an awesome way to end. Chuck, I want to thank you for sharing. This was a really, really fascinating conversation because uh, the media is so prevalent in our society. And given how prevalent AI is in the conversation, it's it's really great to hear how you're using it or how you're planning to use it uh, to create a better a better company at, at Narcity Media Group. So thank you so much. And uh, thank you, Evan. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll chat soon again.